Welcome to God Squad Church. We're so excited to have you here today. I feel so fortunate that you've come to this place today on, on, on a Saturday and maybe for some of you Sunday um, to come and hang out with us and be a part of uh, this service. It means the world to me. And so I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're here today. I just pray that the Lord continues to bless you and be with you and guide you. But we've got important things to jump into today. And so today we're actually going to be kind of uh, talking a little bit about something that's a little a little touchy, right? It's a, it's a topic that's a little, some people take a little harshly, you know, if it comes around the wrong way. It's It's a, you know... In, in the world of high school sports, it was football versus soccer, right? You know, in, in the world of, of, of racing, it's like, you know, drag racing to NASCAR. But for us in our world, in the world of gaming, it is console versus PC. That's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And I mean, I've had this debate with people for years and I stand on, you know, one side of the fence and, you know, I'm not going to talk about that today. I don't want to sway your opinion on, on where you stand, but you know, it, it, it's some people would say, okay, I'm not saying me I'm saying some people might say PC masteries. I'm just saying, I'm just saying some people might say that some people, I don't know. I'm not going to name anybody, you know, I'm not going to say anybody in chat's name. But some people might say PC Master Race. And the, the truth of the matter is, I can't tell you where I stand. I can't. I can't do it. If, if I do so, I'm going to betray some people in chat. And so I'm going to keep myself at, at a neutral point today. But, but it's the age-old debate, PC over, uh, PC over console or console over PC. Is it controller or keyboard? What is better? Well, what's this better for? Well, in FPS games, a keyboard and mouse are better because you're more precise, but you get aim assist on a controller. Like, I don't know. I can't actually tell you which one is formative, formidably better, right? You have issues with like, if you're playing a solo player game on the console, it, it might look really, really good because you don't have a high-end PC or, you know, you might be playing FPSs and feel like you have more control on the PC. And what I want to convince you of today is I truly believe that Jesus was the greatest console player in history. Yeah, I said it. You could, you could, you can, you can clip it. Jesus was the greatest console player in history. And I believe that with my whole heart. Now, clips can be deceiving, right? You could take that and people would be like, what? Jesus didn't, there was no consoles where Jesus was. We might be thinking of two different kinds of consoles. You might be thinking of the console that you plug in and you plug into your TV and, you, you know, you rip some... <laughs> Some, uh, you know, Sega Genesis on. I, I don't know. Or maybe you're playing your, your Xbox or your PlayStation. But I'm talking about a different kind of console today. And we're going to dive a little deeper as we run through the sermon today. And today's sermon, like the, the past weeks, I told you, I'm trying to dive deeper into a, a more teaching-based preaching style. 
because I really, really, truly believe that the, the greatest plague to the church in this moment is biblical illiteracy. And what that means is Christians don't know their Bible. And there's so much that is really just taken out of context. There's so much that is placed in different ways. There's so many sayings that I hear that, yeah, like the Bible says, da, 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 fill in the blank. And it's not scripture at all. And so as we dive and we continue to dive deeper and deeper into Luke, and today we are going to be reading from Luke 2, 30, or 25 through 38. And as we dive deeper into it, I'm hoping that you can really start to feel and, and almost feel immersed. Like this is the, the VR version of Bible exploration. Because I want us to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of these Bible characters. To be able to put ourselves in the shoes and the setting of ancient Jewish culture. To be able to truly understand what it is that the Bible is speaking. And so today we're going to actually hop into a story about a man by the name of Simeon. Now, if you would have said like, daylight, you know, who's Simeon in the Bible? I dead honest would have never named this person in history. I did not, I was not familiar with New Testament Simeon. I've probably read the story of dozens or so times. I just skimmed by it. Just didn't realize, didn't realize it had any significance. Because the only Simeon that I ever real remember is, is the brother of Joseph, the son of Jacob in the Old Testament. Like he's like the famous Simeon. But it's funny, even though this Simeon has only these very, very short, I think it's 10 verses dedicated to him in all of the Bible. He had one of the most significant things happen to him in history. And I find that so amazing that even through his 10 minutes of fame, right? He was able to have such an amazing experience with God. And so let's dive a little deeper into this. This is shortly after um, the uh, Mary and Joseph had just uh, had Jesus circumcised. And you might ask what that is or what that means, so on and so forth. We'll get a little deeper into what that looks like, and what the law required of them and why and so on and so forth. And it, and it really is enlightening to us to understand as, you know, New Testament believers in Jesus is to understand the, the Old Testament rituals and passions and why they had to happen. Because it, it does, it illuminates the Bible for today. And we'll dive a little deeper into, you know, that. And, and, and then we hop into this story, though. So Mary and Joseph just had Jesus circumcised not too long ago. And then shortly after, we step kind of into this, this scripture verse, scripture verses ahead. And it's so it starts in verse 25. It says, we're in the CSB version, if you care. Um, that's the version I particularly recommend these days. I think it is an amazing version of the Bible. Um, really, really does a great job of marrying, you know, precise with understanding. And I, I really enjoy that. So verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought the, it brought the child, when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms 
praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. See, his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then as we continue on to verse 36, this is Anna's testimony. It says, there was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God day and night with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. All right, we covered a lot of scripture. I'm not going to go crazy and keep you here for two hours. There's a lot to cover here though, but it's important because it's the same story, right? So there's two different individuals here. We have Simeon, this righteous, devout man of God who was made a promise by the Lord. And then we have, on the other hand, this prophetess of the Lord who has been faithful, a faithful servant who has diligently sought after him day and night, prayers and fasting for years and years and years and years. I don't even want to talk about it. Some of you guys say you can't pray for 10 minutes, you know, once a week. This lady was praying day and night and fasting for years and years and years and years. So the significance of these two people have something to say. Now, I'm gonna take some poetic liberty here, but have you guys ever had someone in your town or someone maybe that's just like, they're kind of like the town staple or they're kind of like your, your neighborhood staple, you know, old man Ben's always watering his lawn or, you know, you have, a, you know, for me, uh, it was it was the sweet soul and he, he had us call him Ibby because he would do this thing and he was he was one of our coaches for football and also wrestling. And his real name was Michael. And what Michael would do is he would come on the field and he was just full of, full of life and spark. And he would come on the field and he would do this thing. And Michael had um, some, some, you know, learning disabilities and, uh, you know, and, and he suffered from things like that. But that didn't detract from who Michael was in any way, shape or form, you know. But he would do this thing where he'd go... He, and the reason why he wanted to go by Ibby, because he would, he would come on the field every single double. I mean, he was dedicated and he'd go, Ibby! that was like his thing. And he put both of his fingers up in the air and he would do like a little hip dance. And that was like the way we started each and every one of our practices. But the reason I talk about Ibby is because he was a staple for me. He was like, I, I could look forward to seeing him at every single one of our games on the sideline. 
and I would look over from playing middle linebacker and, and I would look over and I'd see Ibby and he was cheering us on. You know, he would be, <laughs> we could have a great play and Ibby would be yelling from the sideline. He'd be like, come on, number 63, you could do better. <laughs> and I'm like, I just sacked a guy for 15 yards, Ibby. Like, what do you mean? He's like, come on, man. And he would just, he would just have so much life and such a passion for the game and really a love for the players. He really, really did. He felt at home where he was. But the thing is, is he stands out as this character in my childhood, right? In my teenage years, he was there. He was that neighborhood guy for me. And I think that this is also true for Simeon and Anna. It had to be. By the way that this comes across, and in verse 29, when he says, now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. Meaning, like, he was older in age. He definitely had some years under his belt. This wasn't a young guy. It's like, well, still got a little bit longer to live. It was like, kind of like, I'm towards the end of my life, Lord, and and I've, I've continued to move, and I continue to be faithful, and now it is time, because I've been there, but I was just waiting for this instance, Lord. You were waiting to take me for this instance. And Anna, you know, if you did the math, it's like she'd be like 105 years old. These were staples. And they were constantly in the temple. They were the people that were tried and true. But they also probably had some people that would talk about them, right? Oh, there's Anna again widow like and that is a a a gossip that would happen in ancient israel being a widow was kind of like frowned upon because the idea was that you couldn't take care of yourself or this guy simeon who basically came to the temple probably every single day to seek what the lord had promised that he would set his eyes on god and I could only imagine if he shared that with somebody or shared that with people over the years of like, yeah, I'm just, I'm waiting on the Lord, waiting to see the Messiah. I could just see, you know, the, the, the ladies in the corner or the men in the corner, like, huh, there's crazy Simeon again. Maybe the Messiah will come today. And you could start to see he was probably patronized, but they didn't stop his faithfulness. He continued to be obedient to God. And it continued to be faithful. And I find that so interesting when we look at this man, this man and this woman of God. And you start to really bring them to life. That these aren't just people in a book somewhere. These were people that lived full lives. That God thought it was important enough to put in the Bible. Simeon was, you know, my Michael to probably some people. He was that guy that was always there, that staple to the story. His obedience amazes me. His love for the game, right? His love for the the thing called life. His obedience to God. 
I want to do a little breakdown of these scriptures as we go through them. So Simeon's prophetic praise in, in verse 25 says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. We got that. He was righteous and devout. That matters. The thing I want to focus heavily on today is he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. What does it mean when it talks about consolation? We're going to get a little deeper into what that means in a few moments. But this had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord Messiah. These are crazy aspirations and dreams. You know, this idea would be like so gone because it had been years and years and years and hundreds of years since this idea of the Messiah became a thing. And he was just saying like, it's going to be me. You know what I mean? I'm going to be the guy. And the Holy Spirit is really interesting in this because it comes on two different times in the passage here. And that's important to notice because in the New Testament, we have free access to the Holy Spirit. Meaning when we ask Jesus to come into our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us and marks us. And we're able to communicate freely, freely through and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and rest on people for certain moments of power, certain moments of significance. And so it says, guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, so what was customary here was, you know, you had to get circumcised, which was happened before the scripture verse happened. Now, Jesus was circumcised. This is actually a different stage in the journey, and I'll talk about that in a second. But circumcision was really, really important. And it's really, really interesting that Jesus, the Lord, the literal the bringer of salvation, had to find faith in the salvation of the covenant that was in place at that time. I find that extreme, extraordinarily fascinating because it's a foreshadowing. That I too have went through the pain of circumcision, the pain of what suffering looks like, the, the obedience of what it takes, the faith to step out to be able to find this covenant. And then it gets to the place where it was customary under the law. And this part in scripture that we just read is actually called the presentation. And what would happen in the presentation is it would kind of be like confirmation, so to speak, of this baby's dedication to the Lord, a baby dedication. And often with this would come a sacrifice. And when I mean often, that, that's, that was the stage. And the primary sacrifice used, except for those that were extremely impoverished, was a lamb. They would bring the lamb and it would be slain as an offering to the Lord for this confirmation, for this, this baby dedication. It's really interesting because Joseph actually brings birds, which was only for the extremely poor. We know he wasn't poor, but he definitely couldn't have been well off if that was the case. And they allowed that and they accepted that offering to come. And then it says, after his presentation, it says, Simeon took him up in his arms Praise God and said. So this is pretty interesting. Because imagine you're just walking into church one day, into the brick and mortar church, or you know, you're just 
wherever you can possibly imagine yourself being around people that are that are strangers that you don't know. And nothing in here says that they know who Simeon was. And this dude just swipes your baby. <laughs> like, he just kind of picks him up. But then he says these words that are kind of like incredibly like a suspect. Now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace. As you promised. But what are you saying, Simeon? For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. Mom and dad are standing by. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people in Israel. Like, this is some crazy stuff. Basically, the guy said, all right, I'm, I'm good to die now. As he's looking at your kid. That's really strange. My, my eyes have seen the person that's going to save us all. But that spoke, right? Like, there, there's, a, there's a weird dichotomy here. Like, this, this oddness of, like, what is going on, Simeon, too? Oh, he's saying some, like, in, incredible words over my child. And it says his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Because that former half was saying, this is the Messiah, the bringer of salvation, the breaker of chains, the mender of bridges. This is what all of Israel has been talking about for years and years and years. And every single priest and every single Israelite has talked about this. Every scripture we rehearse, all of the things that we do in a wait for the Messiah. And so Mary and Joseph are like, oh, we kind of knew, but we really know. Like, this is, this is confirmation. Because they already had this spoken to them, right? But they were amazed that someone else, apart from the crew, saw it too. Then Simeon blessed them and told Jesus' mother Mary. And this gets crazy again. Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and be a sign that will be opposed. They didn't know this. And a sword will pierce your own soul, Mary. That the thoughts, the schemes of many hearts may be revealed. Now, now, Gabriel the angel, he told me some things, you know what I mean? Like, the angel had told me some things. I didn't hear about this part, Simeon. Like, this, this wasn't part of the script. As we break down Simeon's words here. This child is destined. That seems a little predestination to me. You might be against predestination in the chat, but in this moment, 
Predestination is happening. It says this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul. And when he looks at Mary and he says, a sword will pierce your own soul. What he's referring to is when Jesus had finished his ministry on earth and was crucified on the cross. And as Jesus was being speared in the side, you can only imagine how that was a spear to the soul of his mother. And all of this, that the schemes of many hearts may be revealed. And I believe Anna's words in this are so important because she's a staple. She's a diligent, obedient, like, like it reminds me of like your Nona, right? Your grandma, your, your, your Biba, your whatever you call it, your Nana. Who's been faithfully and diligently praying a staple and a pillar. And she comes up and she confirms this. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jesus, of Jerusalem. She's like that seal of approval for Simeon. Now, you might not truly understand how impactful this moment is for Simeon's life. How impactful this moment is for all of Israel. If you could imagine a, 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 a huge mass amount of people, a population that all has a singular focus and idea, they have put their identity in this idea that one day this, this comer of salvation would come, this Messiah. And in this moment, Simeon's entire life's work, the message he had hidden deep in his heart, he was staring at it. He was staring at this baby that was everything God had promised. Everything. For his entire life was beaten and predicated by that moment. So when he says, now master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. It is the confirmation that through all the suffering and maybe the ridicule that he's been through, waiting on this journey to come to fruition, waiting on the Messiah to come, waiting to see it, all came together in this one moment. And we can see this as being Jesus stepping in, even as a baby, as the greatest consolation. He is the consoler. And as Simeon looks at this babe, he sees all the suffering in his past. 
he sees the gift he has been waiting for be presented in this innocent child. And we can see a lot of people like Simeon who were ready. They were tired. They had suffered a life full of obstacles and hardships, incredible detriment. You can look back at all these biblical characters through all the saints of antiquity, whether it be Moses, where he's like, take me from these people, God. All of their groanings, they never stop complaining. Or like Job, take me from all my distresses, God. Take me from all the suffering I'm going through. All the loss I've experienced. Just take me, God. Or maybe like Paul who says, to live is Christ. That is the hard part. To die is gain. There's so much suffering in this world. Jonah said, Lord, I cannot do this. I would rather die. King David and Solomon said, the weight of my sin is too heavy, God. I cannot bear it any longer. I cannot go forward even one more step. All of these great men of God awaited death, if not even begged for it often. Their suffering was great, but they understood something very, very well. That only in the arms of their Savior, in the arms of God, could they find comfort. I told you, Jesus is the ultimate console player. He is the ultimate consoler. The purpose behind this story in the Bible, like what was God trying to speak to us? He was trying to show you how important this event of the Messiah was. How important it was. And he was made something very, very clear as we hop back into. He was Israel's consolation. Jesus, the consoler. He is the bearer of your burdens. He is the comforter. See, often we hear the names of Jesus being, you know, Jesus, my provider, Jesus, the author of salvation, Jesus, the lion of Judah. I have never in all my years heard of Jesus, the consoler. But I have heard of Jesus, the comforter. We are in desperate need of a consoler to help us thrive on a journey that often people merely survive on. When Mary and Joseph went to the temple in Jerusalem to follow the requirements of the law, they were waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's what Simeon was waiting on. The consolation of Israel refers to the promised Messiah. 
to console and to alleviate grief or to take away the sense of loss or trouble. The Messiah, the, the consolation of Israel, was to remove sorrow and comfort the nation. Simeon and generations before him waited for the coming of the one who would console God's people. Isaiah, Isaiah predicted that the Messiah would take on the ministry of consolation. In Isaiah 40, 1 through 2, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her in her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. God revealed to Simeon that he would not see death until he beheld the, the Lord's Christ. The comforter of Israel would fulfill all the promises of the Abrahamic and Davidic covenants. And he's the one that would bring both personal and national salvation. After all the years of waiting and praying for the consolation of Israel, God allowed Simeon to hold the Messiah in his arms. In this child, Simeon saw all the fulfillment, and he was overwhelmed and overjoyed. Throughout the history, the people of Israel had suffered greatly. They lived under the slavery of Egypt, and they endured such cruelty. And now, in this, in this day and age where this scripture was taking place, they were living under a similar cruelty under the Romans and under Roman law. And they were in need of desperate consolation and comfort. See, many in Israel thought the Messiah was coming to console Israel in a different way, to bring them to political and national freedom. And I've talked about this quite a bit, but the consolation Jesus brought was better than any political freedom he could have provided. He gave them spiritual freedom and forgiveness. David described the guilt of his own sin this way. My guilt has overwhelmed me like the burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and loathsome because of my sinful folly. I bow down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. The son of David came to bear the burden away, to lift up those who were bowed down, to replace the anguish with joy. And all who trust in him now that he is truly the consolation of Israel, to prove to them, to show them that he has arrived and the consolation of all who believe. The main point, if you take away anything today, is that Jesus is the comfort you've been searching for. He is the consolation. He is the greatest console player. And he is the savior and consolation, the comfort to your suffering. We live in a world where everybody gets a prize, right? Call participation trophies, often known as consolation prizes. It's something to make you feel better, even if you didn't win. I am the utter, <laughs> I am the movie trope of the dad who's like, my kid doesn't need a consolation prize. Like, give me that ribbon, boy. Like, like, I am literally that guy. 
right? Like I, I've always been the guy who's just like, <laughs> failure is not a setback. It's a rung on the ladder of success. The interesting thing though, in this scripture verse, Jesus is literally presented as the consolation prize. And I don't mean that in a secondary nature. I don't mean he's just for, like for the people that didn't win. He is literally the prize for everyone because no matter how much you failed, no matter how many times you've messed up, no matter how many times we've, we've, we've just not been able to get it together. He's still there. He still has brought the consolation. He still is the prize. He is still the bringer of peace, the bringer of your salvation. And he is there for you and waiting for you. The greatest consolation prize we've ever been given is the consolation of salvation. There is comfort in salvation because the relationship between us and God is messed up. And Jesus, when we in faith step forward into that relationship with God saying, Lord, I'm going to submit to you. Father, forgive me of all the trash. When we stepped forward into that relationship, Jesus is the bridge that brings us back into a fullness, into the fullness of a relationship with God. Because apart from Jesus, God can have nothing to do with us. And the reason that is, is because God is holy. It's a character of who he is. And when we are living apart from Jesus, when we are living under the enslavement of sin, we have said that is our king, not God. You might be sitting here today and asking yourself, you know, that idea, those, those thoughts run in our head of I've been looking for so many years. I mean, I've tried so many different things to fill this gap, that bridge I was talking about, and nothing seems to bring you to the place where you feel whole. If that's you today, that is, that is the journey. The journey is that surrendering, that obedience, that saying, Lord, I'm done with my ways. I now choose your ways. I will no longer be the captain of my ship. You are now the captain of my ship. Lord, here I am. Do with me as you will. Because I've realized I can captain this ship, but the icebergs I hit along the way are not worth it. The damage I've caused along the way was not worth it. The mental affliction I've been through has not been worth it. He's here for you. And Christian, if you're sitting here and you're like, man, that's for them. No, this is for you. I don't know how many times I see Christians that hang their head and they don't have moments like David and Solomon where they're just like, my sin is too burdensome. I can't go on any farther. That's how they live their lifestyle. And today, the ultimate 
console player is here for you. The ultimate comforter is here for you so that you can live in freedom, so that you can loose yourself from the chains that you are no longer enslaved to, but the chains that you keep on going back to, the chains you keep on tying on yourself and locking up. Jesus is here to free you so that you can live in your best days, that you can live in peace. He is the one to cast your burdens upon. And this message is for you. If you're searching, you found the answer. And it's Jesus. And I'm bold enough to say it. It's only him. He is the only way. He truly, truly is. I'm going to pray before we close so that the Lord would reveal to your heart all of the things in this passage. Father, we come before you, Jesus, and I bear my soul to you, God. Lord, have every inch of my soul. I surrender to you, God. The Messiah is as real today as he was 2,000 some years ago. Lord, you are our peace. So, Father, I pray peace over the people in this place. I pray peace over every single viewer that's going to watch this VOD. I pray, Lord, that you would move in such a powerful way. Lord, that you would bring peace, that you would bring change. And Lord, we would grip the reality of all that you came to do. Lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. Allow your message to reverberate throughout our week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. If no one's told you they love you today, myself and all of us here at God Squad Church, we love you with our whole hearts. See you soon. Something that I'm reminded of a lot of the time, and thank you, Daylight, by the way, for that message, because it was absolutely amazing. Pastor Daylight preached an amazing message uh, today. And something that I, I'm reminded about time and time again is that the Israelites waited thousands of years, thousands of years for a promise that they were given by God that one day there would be a savior. And as he said, you know, the Israelites are waiting for this political person to come in and he was going to take them away from all of their oppression and take them away from the Romans or whatever under control of whoever. 
but he came for such a much more significant purpose. And it wasn't just for the Israelites. It was for all of us. So we could have comfort in our lives. As he was saying that Jesus is the great consoler. He's the great comforter. And it's amazing that we can go to God with all of our stressful issues that we have, our problems, our needs, and he's there for us to comfort us. We can lay our burdens down upon him. And so it's a great reminder for me. I hope it was a great reminder for you. And I hope it challenges you as well throughout this week to remember that all the things that we go through in life, that we always have Jesus to be able to come to and that he will continue to comfort us in those times. And hey, if today, if you made a decision today to follow Jesus Christ, or if you made that decision, uh, you know, recently, we would love to be able to connect with you in some way, shape or form. Or maybe you're wondering, what are the steps that I need to go through? You know, what, what, what do I need to do? We would love to be able to talk to you about what it means to come to know Jesus Christ and what that looks like. And so if somebody wants to type exclamation point connect in the chat, what I would ask you to do if you made that decision today, or maybe you have some questions for us, we would love you to fill out this form with as much information as you feel comfortable giving. We just want to connect with you. We want to be able to give you some resources, be able to talk with you as it is a journey. It's a journey that we're all on. We're all still learning together, but you got to start somewhere and we would love to help you start on that journey. And so definitely fill out that form if you made that decision today, or once again, if you have any questions or anything like that. But guys, we're going to move into a time of, of uh, offering right now and, and giving. And hey, if this is your first time here at God Squad Church, we don't want anything from you, but we want everything for you. We want you to receive from us. But if you call God Squad Church your home church, if this is the church that you serve and that you receive the most from, this is this is where you really get gathering, uh, you know, your sp- your your spiritual uh, upness. I don't even know what the word is, but if if that if if you're receiving from God Squad Church, that's what I would say would be your home church. And we believe here that really our form of offering and giving is a form of worship. It is something that we do. It's something that God has asked us to do in his word. It's a form of our faith as well, saying, God, you've given me this money. We're going to steward it well. We're going to give back to you as well. And we're going to give generously. In, and remember your promise that you have promised to continue providing for us. And so if you've been here for a, a, you know, a little while and or if you, once again, if you call God Squad your Church your home church and God is calling you to give, uh, we want to thank you for your faithfulness and generosity because everything that we do here, whether it's at one of our squad cons or maybe you just see us here for the daily reconnects or for service every single Saturday, everything that we do daily is so that more and more people can come to know Jesus Christ and more and more people can hear the the good news. And so it's because of your faithfulness and generosity that we're able to do those things. If somebody can type exclamation point give in the chat, there's going to be multiple ways that you can give to God Squad Church. I'll tell you them as well. If you want to, you can go into the panels below, click on the give link that will allow you to give through uh, PayPal. You can also go to our website at GodSquadChurch.com, click on the give link at the top right corner of the page, and it will allow you to give it, whether it's monthly recurring, weekly recurring, or maybe God's calling you to do a, a, a one-time donation, you can do that there. And then finally, if you are a U.S. resident, you can use something called text to give by texting any amount to number 84321. If it's your first time going through it, it will ask you for a couple of steps. But after that, it's literally just texting any amount to the number once again, 
84321. And you can give through that as well. Once again, if you're a U.S. resident.